This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. There's a four-letter word that fly fishers should be careful about using. Now, it's not the word you yell when you snag your fly in the bottom for the fifth time, or the (laughs) word you mutter under your breath when your back cast lands in a pine branch. Rather, it's a word that can mislead you and set you up for disappointment. The four-letter word is, drumroll, wait for it, the four-letter word is more, M-O-R-E. I almost disagreed with you and you pitched me on the idea for this podcast but the more I thought about it, the more it made sense. <laughs> oh my goodness. Did you stay up all night thinking of that? Oh goodness. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about more uh, fly fishing myths that contain the word more. And more is not always better, although when you're younger, it sure seems a lot <laughs> yeah. better. But it's not always satisfying and obviously not always possible. Yeah, that's true. Sometimes more turns out to be less. So we're going to identify four myths that involve the word more. Each myth has the ring of truth, but at the end of the day, it's just a myth. Here are the four. The first is, the more I fly fish, the better I become. So what's wrong with that, Dave? I mean, doesn't practice make perfect? That's what we're always told. Well, intuitively that makes sense, but actually you can go and fly fish for a long time and really not get all that much better. I think the better aphorism is practice makes permanent. Yeah, that's you know, true. If, if you practice something, it reinforces. And if you're intentionally working to improve a specific skill, then you'll improve. But otherwise, your bad habits will become more ingrained. I'm thinking about yeah. just this, uh, this fall again about how I strike, how I set the hook when I'm nymph fishing. I realized I've, I had gotten into some really bad habits until I was kind of confronted by it, like you were by this guide, I think I would have continued to strike up instead of to the side downstream when we're nymph fishing. So I do think you're absolutely right. I think more is not necessarily going to make you a better fly fisher. That's one reason why I fly fish with a guide on occasion. It helps me unlearn some bad habits that I develop. One of them is not keeping the line through the forefinger of my right hand, my casting hand all the time. Meaning that I I found myself, I've caught myself trying to set the hook on a strike with my left hand, and that's that's a lot slower. I think the takeaway here is that it's really important to consciously work on improving your skills, and I think you need to do it one at a time, don't you? Yeah. I mean, I I guess you could say here's three things I need to work on, but man, just the simple thing of the strike, how to set the set the hook when you're nymph fishing, that's a very specific thing. So yeah. the more you work at your craft when you fly fish, it is true that the better you will become. Yeah. That actually reminds me of a story you just told us as we were sitting here because we were talking about Bud Lilly, uh, the fly fishing legend who just died this week. Yeah. And uh, you were telling me this funny story about when you met him. Tell me about that story. Oh, yeah. The one time that I met him, he had quite a a ride. Maybe you should say, who is Bud Lilly? Oh, yes. Yes, true. I mean, he's a a legendary fly fisher. Uh, He 
He uh, founded Bud Lilly's Fly Shop in uh, West Yellowstone and, and actually sold that in the early 80s. But uh, he's become a legend. He really, uh, uh, he and Bob Jacklin had a lot of influence on the National Park Service and and on some of the conservation efforts, Trout Unlimited. But he was a real proponent of, uh, of catch and release. I mean, he moved towards that. Uh, guy was uh, actually an incredible baseball player. He, I think he was offered a contract with the Cincinnati Reds, and, and he used to play in some of those barnstorming teams. Uh, I mean, he grew up in Manhattan, Montana, but he played for a town team, and I think that he... Well, I know that he played against Satchel Paige one That's time. That's so amazing. So, I mean, he's he's a legend when it comes to fly fishing. But uh, I, the one time that I met him, he and Paul Schollery had just come out with a second edition of uh, Bud Lilly's Guide to Fly Fishing the West, which I still think is a great book. I, I pull it out and look at it all the time. But uh, I'm standing in line to get my book signed at this little... Uh, bookstore in Three Forks, Montana, just a few blocks from his angler's retreat. And I think the guys in front of me were talking about the, uh, the, the caddis hatch, and this was in uh, late April, and I had just been on the Yellowstone a couple days before. So when I got up to get my book signed, I said, hey, here's a story you might enjoy. I said, uh, I, was, I was fly fishing in Paradise Valley, fly fishing the caddis hatch, and, and I was catching trout, but the wind just came up, and I mean, it was really whipping, and I was, I was standing below these cliffs. You know where they are, Dave. Yeah, They're just yeah, south yeah. of Pine Creek, yeah, 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 yeah. just north of Pine Creek Bridge, and I'm standing below these, these cliffs with a lot of dirt and rock, and the wind's howling, and I, I think I was wearing contacts that day, so I, I finally just uh, took my fly rod. I, I uh, hooked the, the fly on the little uh, you know, hook and uh, you know, ahead of your uh, grip, and and I, I shut my eyes and I'm kind of cradling my rod and all of a sudden my rod jerked and I thought, oh, the wind is getting it. And I looked, I had a fish on. <laughs> that, that fly got loose and it's, it's dangling down there by the water and, and a fish. <laughs> That's amazing. It. Yeah. So I tell this to Bud Lilly and he looks at me, kind of has this wry smile and very dry sense of humor and he says, well, it sounds like you didn't need too much skill to catch fish on that day. <laughs> And I said, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Wow. <laughs> well, here's a second myth. And the myth is, I will fly fish more if I move to a prime fly fishing area. What do you mean by prime fly fishing area? Well, a place where uh, maybe you, you live in uh, Viroqua, Wisconsin, or you live in uh, Bozeman, Montana, or Cody, Wyoming, right, where right, right, you, right. you're just next door to all of these great streams. And I'm not saying that, that a person shouldn't do that. I'm just saying you may not fly fish as much as you think. I mean, I lived in Montana for two decades, and I saw this happen all the time. Uh, people would move in so they could fish more and sometimes hunt more or ski more. But life would just get in the yeah, way. Life is a grind. You know, it is. Job, kids, sports. It's just how it works. Well, unless you're Jay Cutler, uh, <laughs> yes. the almost former quarterback for the Chicago Bears who allegedly purchased a big ranch in Montana and who now may be able to spend more time out there. Yeah. Wasn't Didn't we hear this from one of your friends out there? That yeah, that's he, right, who, who used to hunt on that property. And, and he, he and a couple guys used to lease it, and then they were told this year, no, you can't lease it. Uh, Jay Cutler purchased it. Jay Cutler it? purchased it. So. <laughs> He's in, as grumpy in post 
quarterback life as he was in quarterback yeah, life. Yeah, that's right. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so would you say that you fish now as much as you did when you lived in Montana? Man, that's now a, that you live in Chicago, that's a great question. I guess I probably get out fewer days, but I suspect that the number of hours I spend on the river is not that far off from what I, I did when I lived there. I mean, I was there at a time when our, our kids were, three of our kids were in high school and, and even middle school before that and, and involved in all kinds of sports. Uh, my, my work as a pastor was, it was great, but it was time consuming. You know, that's not just a, uh, an eight to five job. I mean, there, there's a lot of moving pieces to that. And I was doing PA announcing for both boys and girls basketball during the high school basketball during the season. And then I would do some of the year end tournaments. So, uh, wow, I, I just didn't have as much time to, to get out as That's I wanted. Now, what I was able to do, though, if, if the caddis hatch was going, I could often squeeze out part of an afternoon and, and sometimes a day. But, you know, in some respects, when we go back now and we're there four or five days, uh, I can fish the whole day and I don't, have a, I don't have a committee meeting at night. I don't have a basketball game to, to announce. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I don't have to meet somebody for breakfast the next morning. It's, uh, it's pretty easy. In some ways it allows you more, what's the word, more focused time. Yeah, that's, that's a great um, way to put yeah, that's really interesting. So yeah. what's the takeaway from that? I guess the takeaway is to make the most of your situation, whether you live in fly fishing country or not. Uh, identify the obstacles to getting out in the river and figure out how to overcome them. I mean, if, if I could do it all over again as much as I might like to, I don't think I would fly fish anymore uh, than, than I did when I lived in Montana. I couldn't, and, and I, I enjoyed it. I had some great times when I got out, but... It is what it is, or it was what it was, and 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 now I have a little bit more uh, free time. If if I live back there now with uh, kids grown, that might be different. But then grandkids enter the picture. You know, the point is there, there's always something. There's always an obstacle, and whether that's the the geographic distance, you know, that that can be an issue. But even if it's not, uh, you, you just have to make the most of your situation. There was someone who direct messaged me on Facebook who had read your piece, The Ten Reasons to Fish the Yellowstone Ecosystem. Okay. On, mm -hmm. uh, it's one of the articles on our site, and he was joking at the end of the, the kind of the thread. He said, yeah, I'm trying to get my wife and to move out here to Montana because he had just fished the Yellowstone yeah. Ecosystem, and he'd had this phenomenal experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, so he's trying to figure out a way to, to mm -hmm. move out there. So maybe if he's listening, this will be a good podcast for him. Yeah. But I totally get it. Like, yeah. I'm even thinking, mm -hmm. how do I get more days this year? And, mm -hmm. you know, I've, I've, I have two kids in college. I have a son yep. who's in mm -hmm. wrestling and football in yeah. high school and then an eight-year-old. And yep. plus my work. And it is hard to get out. So you're right. It you is. have to kind of make the most of where you are in life instead of it, pining for some sort of pie in the sky, which kind of, I think, true. fundamentally makes you dissatisfied it with does. your life. It does. And that kind of leads to a third myth. So the third is this idea that I will fly fish more at the next stage of my life. Well, good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully it's not yeah. death. So we may not fly yes. fish more That's at that right. next stage. Oh, man. Yeah. So 
I, you know, you do think that once you get your kids in high school or mm-hmm. when they get out of college, you'll have more time. But, you know, for us, it's just, you know, a football, volleyball. You, you know, you had kids that played both volleyball and soccer and my son's right. wrestled wrestled and, and yeah, yeah whatever basketball. whatever it's yeah. concert band choir mm-hmm. so they're the kids things you you just think that you know somehow you're going to have more time yeah and but what about retirement i mean that does seem to be a time where you'll have more discretionary time well i'm not at retirement or even close to it so i can't say fully and i yeah, think- i made it sound like yeah dave <laughs> you're about to retire that's that's news to you. Huh? Yeah, news yeah. to me. Uh, news yeah. to my wife. I think there are some people who figure out how to do more of it at retirement. But I think the most do not, because part of it is building these habits and patterns into your life. Yeah. And if it's mm-hmm. not, say, something you were able to afford, you know, you know, you felt like it was too expensive. I can promise mm-hmm. you, in retirement, it'll feel too expensive too. Yeah. Or maybe it's just not something. It's one of those things that you wanted to do, but you just mm-hmm. really didn't want to do. So I don't know that you'll fly fish more in retirement. Everybody I talk to who's in retirement, they're crazy busy. Yeah. And um, and so maybe you will, but I think, I think the moment Mm -hmm. is now and this idea that you're going to do more of it at the next stage of life is a myth. That's true. And you need to uh, live in the moment, I think. And you get older too, don't you? Yeah. You know, the older body can't take quite as much. This last summer, uh, I hiked back to this high mountain lake in the Collegiate Peak Wilderness that I've talked about several times. And it was a four-mile hike in. The mm-hmm. last mile is a grind. And I was able to do it. I'm in good shape. But I thought, eh, how much longer am I going to be able to do this? That's true. And I, maybe another 10, 15 years. But if yep. I'm 65, would I go up that mountain again oh, for that? I, know. I don't know. I know. In my experience, the older body heads for the steakhouse more quickly <laughs> at the end of the day than the younger body does. 95% of this podcast is going to be about eating. <laughs> yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, that's right. As the podcast goes along, we're going to talk less about fly fishing. Yeah, seriously, Dave, what's the takeaway on this one? I do think you have to not wait for life to slow down. Right. So don't wait for life to slow down. Get out there now because tomorrow will have scheduling issues of its own. Yeah. And it so sounds true. like such a like a aphorism or cliche or a truism, but it's true. I mean, I think yep. it's true. I think you have to figure out a way given your current life stage to get out on the river. Yeah, that's really Cause true. Cuz more is not going to happen in no, the next stage of life. That's true. Well, here's a final myth, number four. And I don't know, see what you think about this one, Dave. Here's the myth. The more fish I catch, the more satisfied I will be. Hmm. I don't know. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> is, that a, is that a myth or just your insecurity about not catching very many fish? <laughs> Ooh, that hurt. You know, believe me, I, I love catching a lot of fish. But, but sometimes when I'm catching a lot of fish and that's very frequently (laughs) why are you laughing yeah seriously when i catch a lot of fish i I find i have trouble slowing down the moment and savoring it when i catch one after another now yeah that doesn't happen every day but i've had some days like that i I, when i have days like that i find at the end of the day that i rarely remember one or two specific fish in fact i find myself almost getting greedy now, I remember having to peel myself away on 16 Mile a couple summers ago. In fact, it was lunchtime, and, and you and our other buddy Dave were, uh, were already uh, eating lunch, or you, you were, we were going to meet for lunch, and, and I said, yeah, I'll be right 
there, just just you know one more cast and five or yeah, six. Yeah, we were grousing later. about you at lunch, yeah. complaining a little. I know, and I was. I I, ca- I think I caught a half a dozen more, and then I finally came back. So I don't know. Does that happen to you? I mean, th- yeah, those times I, when you catch a lot true. of fish. Yeah. yeah. This this year, I, I had a, or not this year. Last year, I had such a great year. I was thinking about that high mountain lake, like. You know, we started as soon oh, as we yeah. got to the top of this ridge and looked down on the lake, you mm-hmm. could see the fish sipping. And, you know, you start to pull them in. Once you start pulling fish in, you just start to pull fish in. You forget. Yeah. It's not. Yeah, it's about mm. catching and releasing, but it's mm. also the experience. And you you just forget about that. It's so true. I think I think you're right on this. I think on the it, face of it, you're absolutely is right. Is there a magic number, though? I mean, if you catch, if you hit 30 are you completely satisfied and want to stop? I don't stop? know. That's a good question. I think it depends on the stream. Yeah. I think of the driftless. If you and I catch two or three oh, ma'am. Yeah. in a day, or five would be monster or large yeah. amounts, right? I think we're okay with that. We're like, I'm really satisfied. Sure. I just, mm-hmm. you and I have never ripped out 15 fish in no. a day at, in the driftless. No. If you're fishing Montana and I'm fishing the Yellowstone, or if I'm on a guide trip and I'm not you know, pulling in fish, I might be a little dissatisfied, but I think it's situational. Sure. Don't you think? Yeah. But honestly, for me, if I'm having a great day and we, we had one, uh, uh, last fall when we were fishing in Yellowstone National Park on the Gardner river. And I mean that we caught over 30 fish each that day. And I, I know when I, whenever I hit 30 or what I thought was 30, I didn't say, all right, done. I I had to I had to tell myself you know what you caught enough fish let's just walk away it was a great day I actually caught a brown and a rainbow out of the same out of the same little run it was right near that suspension bridge and yeah, I yeah. and I thought I got to be done there's there's you know what a great way to end it and my typical thing is oh, I want to make one more cast and I go until I snag or until something happens but but i I remember deliberately having to say i just need to stop now it wasn't like oh yeah i'm I'm completely satisfied i could have stayed and caught more but on both days this fall on the gardner river we we quit early yeah i think one day we quit what at two and the other one was like at one o'clock we could have fished till four or five yeah but it is there was this moment where you go this it's not that it's almost like I lost the challenge almost. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Where it yep. stopped being challenging. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. and maybe that's where I got sated at that sure. point. So I, I think you're right on the face of it or even at the core of it, more is not necessarily yep. better. So and the takeaway then is is learn to savor each fish you catch. You know, slow down the moment rather than rushing to catch the next one. Man, I'm talking to myself on that yeah, because I, I often do that, especially if it's one that's a little smaller than in the last one I caught. It's like, well, I got to get this back in because I got to catch one that's three inches longer. And yeah. you know, that that's not the point. Because then you're fundamentally dissatisfied throughout the day. Yeah, that's um, true. You know, if you're not satisfied with the fish you're catching, only the one that yep. you still haven't caught yet, you're kind of... It, you kind of you're never actually fully sated or fully satisfied. That's true. So it's really true. Anyway, so I do think more when it comes to catching fish uh, is a myth. Yeah, I really do. It is. And to counter everything we just said, I will say that I hope to get out many more days than I did in 2016. And 
uh, and I, I'm not going to back down from that. I want more. Yeah. Uh, no. How about you? Yeah. No, I, I want to do more fly fishing with my sons. I think their schedules might allow it. I want to do more streamer fishing. We've talked about that before. We, uh, we, we kind of, uh, uh, what, maybe re, got it reacquainted with it this year. And I want to do more of the same on the Gardner River in Yellowstone National Park. I think we can do that, that was, trip again. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping so. Yeah, got to figure out a way yeah, to do it. Yeah, we got to figure out yep. a way to do it. So, All right, it's time now for great stuff from our listeners. Our friend Glenn, a fly fishing guide in the Adirondacks of New York State, posted this comment on our article about winter fly fishing without losing it. His comment strikes me as a good antidote to the more, more, more approach to fly fishing. Uh, this is what Glenn writes about winter fly fishing. He said, It doesn't matter to me if I catch anything. I just love getting out there. If things are slow, I will practice my casting, take notes on potential hot spots for spring fishing, work on techniques, and just enjoy my surroundings. Have fun out there. Man, he nails it. Yeah, it really His does. His comments are always so good. Good words, yeah. good words. Well, that'll do it for today. Can you identify any other ideas about more that are really myth rather than truth? Please go to twoguysinariver.com and comment on this podcast link. What are some other myths we should be aware of when it comes to catching more or fishing more? You can find Two Guys in a River pretty much everywhere. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, Stitcher. And of course, you can visit our website, twoguysinariver.com. Well, thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River. For the love of more fly fishing. <laughs>